Amen. Somebody wrote a song. I don't know exactly who wrote it, but it said, Don't you want to go? Don't you want to go to that place? I think everybody ought to want to go there. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I've got a bone to pick. I'm a little bit upset this morning. Not mad, but just a little bit upset. Nobody else has noticed this but me. But this morning, we came in here, and Brother Gary got to teach his whole Sunday school class lesson without a clock. But as soon as it was time for the preacher to get up here, lo and behold, they have the clock. Now, you can say that was an accident if you want to, but it don't sound like an accident to me. <laughs> no, isn't it good to have the projectors back? Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Amen. We started last Sunday on a series of messages we're entitling it The Heart of the Matter. And what we're doing is we're talking about the heart. And I, I honestly believe that God has really spoken to me uh, very, uh, very plainly about preaching this series of messages. And as I go through them, I am learning things that I didn't know. God is showing me things that I, uh, I have done wrong, said wrong in the past and um, trying to get them straightened out as we go through this. Um, my, uh, my message this morning, uh, I don't, I don't want to shock anybody by this title, but my message in, this morning is entitled Heart Attack. Heart Attack. Most of you here this morning are aware that that uh, at the beginning of this past year, I began to have some problems with my heart. Several times my heart started beating very fast and irregularly, and eventually I was do uh, diagnosed with uh, as having atrial fibrillation or AFib. And uh, this heart problem that I was having got me to studying and researching about heart disease. And I found out several things about heart disease that really uh, surprised me. I found out uh, some things that were very interesting about heart disease. Uh, the first thing I learned was, of course, that heart disease is the number one cause of death around the world by a very large margin. According to the World Health Organization, uh, Heart attacks or heart disease and strokes account for 15 million deaths in the year 2015, which is the latest statistics that they have. They say that these diseases, heart attack and strokes, have remained the leading causes of death globally uh, for the last 15 years. Second thing I learned about Heart disease is very interesting. I learned that uh, these heart problems, 
heart disease can go undetected for a number of years. Somebody can have a serious heart problem and not be aware of it for a number of years. And the reason for that is because that an individual who has heart problems, who has some kind of blockage or something, they will experience symptoms, but those symptoms may not seem to be directly associated with the heart. According to the Internet, atrial blockage can manifest itself in a number of ways through back pain, through inability to sleep, through anxiety, loss of appetite, indigestion, nausea, vision change, and even memory loss. And much of the time, these symptoms are not associated with the problems of the heart. Most of the time, these symptoms are treated as being isolated instances or issues unrelated to the health of the heart. And the right medication can be given to take the edge off of most of these symptoms. In other words, what I'm saying this morning is that much of the time, instead of treating the problem, which is the heart, doctors just treat the symptoms that are produced by heart disease. Well, the trouble with this, of course, is that treating the symptoms hides the real problem, and it actually delays treatment of the real issue, which is heart disease, and allows that disease to get worse and worse. What I realized recently is that physical heart Disease is something that parallels spiritual heart disease. Can I tell you this morning, we have another heart. And I'm not talking about that little fist-sized muscle that resides within the chest, but I'm talking about the thing that makes us who we are. It's that part of our being that causes us to do what we do. It's that part of us that causes us to say the things that we say and to think the way that we think. It's that invisible part of us that philosophers, poets, and preachers have referred to over and over again. It's that thing that got broken when you were in the ninth grade and that little girl or that little boy, whoever it may have been and whatever their name may have been. I've forgotten what their name was, but they, they told you, well, I'm not really interested in you. I'm interested in somebody else. And that part of us, that heart we want to talk about, was broken. It's that part of us that swells up with pride when we see our kids do something great. It's that part that gets all nostalgic when we hear an old song from our dating days. It's that mysterious, wonderful, confusing part of us that enables us to love, to laugh, to fear, and to experience life. It's that part of us in which relationships happen. And it's that same place where those relationships are broken. 
According to the scriptures, the heart can be troubled, it can be wounded, it can be pierced, grieved, and even broken. It can be cheerful, glad, merry, joyful, and rejoicing. It can be divided, it can be wise, and it can be foolish. It can be steadfast, true, upright, stout, and valiant. It can also be frightened, faint, cowardly, and melt like wax. The heart can be wandering. It can be forgetful. It can be dull, cowardly, proud, hardened, and perverse. But it can also be pure and noble. The Bible sees the heart as being the source of all creativity, all courage, and all conviction. It's the source of our faith. It's the source of our hope and our love. According to Proverbs 4, 23, it is the wellspring of life within us. It is the very essence of our existence, the center of our being, and the fount of our life. Charles Spurgeon, the preacher of old, he called the heart the metropolis of our manhood. He called it the citadel and armor, armory of our humanity. That's what I'm preaching about this morning. I'm talking about the heart of the matter. The matter is our walk with God and the heart is the matter or is the center of the matter. And just as we do with our physical heart so much of the time, so also we do with our spiritual heart. We don't recognize the signs of heart disease when they present themselves. We treat rather the symptoms that arise in our lives because of an unhealthy heart instead of treating the root of the problem, which is our heart. And if we continue to treat only the symptoms, then pretty soon the root of the problem will become the real problem. Just as a heart attack has the potential to, to destroy our physical body, we need to understand that physical or that spiritual heart disease also has the potential to destroy our spiritual person. Now, before I go any further this morning, I want to stop and read to you some verses of Scripture. Because I'm going to tell you, I started out in this message to go one way. And as I was studying, the Holy Ghost sent me in a completely different direction. So before I go any further... I want to read to you some very important scriptures. First of all, in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verses 9 and 10, this is a very familiar passage of scripture, and I have heard it quoted many, many times, and I have quoted it many times. And what I found out and what the Lord has shown me is that I was wrong in how I used this scripture. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 9 and 10. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Now, 
I want you to know, first of all, today in this service, if you are here today and you have not obeyed the gospel, if you have not repented of your sins, if you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, if you have not received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, I don't care what they're saying about speaking in other tongues. I'm telling you it's gospel. I'm telling you it's right. I'm telling you you need the Holy Ghost and the evidence of that Holy Ghost, I don't care what the world is saying, the evidence is still speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Hallelujah. If you're here this morning and you have not obeyed the gospel, then I can tell you upon the authority of the Word of God that your heart is desperately wicked what the Bible says. You don't even know what's in your heart. You don't know what you would do. You don't know how you'd react if the certain, a certain set of circumstance transpired in your life. You may think you know what you'd do or how you'd react, but you don't really know. Your heart is dece deceitful. You may think you know your heart, but the Bible says your heart deceives you. You know, when people have committed some act of violence or some crime of passion, and then they are asked why they did what they did, do you know what the most common answer to that question is? I don't know. I don't know why I did it. I don't know why I pulled the trigger. I don't know why I became so angry. I don't, I don't know why. They don't know why they assault their fellow man. They don't know why they commit murder, rape, or manslaughter. They don't know why they hate and abuse. They don't know why they lose their cool and wind up hurting the ones that they love the most. They just don't know why. But the Bible says the problem is the heart, the unregenerated heart. It's full of wickedness. If you don't know the Lord this morning, there's wickedness in your heart. If you have not obeyed the gospel, your heart is deceiving you right now. You think you're okay. Your heart is telling you that you're a pretty good person. But I'm telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says there, there's wickedness in your heart. There's sin in your heart. And you need to be saved because God searches and judges according to the heart. Amen. Now, I want to get that established. Now, let's go on. And here's where God really got a hold of me. Let me read some more scriptures. Ezekiel chapter 36 Verses 25 through 27, the prophet says, God speaking here through the prophet, 
He says, then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness. Everybody say clean. You shall be clean from all your filthiness, from all your idols will I cleanse you. And a, everybody say it, and a new heart. I want to stop. I want that to sink in. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will pour my or put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and keep all my judgments and do them. Now, I know that's an Old Testament scripture, so I went to the New Testament. Let's hear what the New Testament says about the heart. Romans chapter 5, verse number 5. Powerful scripture. And hope maketh not ashamed, because here it is, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto you. That scripture's not saying that the love for God is put in our hearts, but it says God's love has been put into our hearts. We have the ability, we have the possibility, the capability of loving like he loved. The greatest love the world has ever known. It's been put inside of us. Oh, Brother Gary, he talked about it in the Sunday school class this morning that the church ought to make a difference. I'm telling you, we ought to make a difference because the love of God has been put in us. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, what does it say? But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of, everybody say sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth his spirit uh, or the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now who is he talking about here? Who is the spirit that has been put into It's the spirit of Christ. Christ is in us. We are sons of God. Colossians 1 and verse 27 to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. We'll say it again. Christ in you. It's the mystery. It is a mystery of how it can happen, but he said this is what's going on. You need to understand when you got the Holy Ghost, you didn't just get some goosebumps to make you run and jump and shout, but you got the Spirit of Christ in you. It's Christ in you. That's our hope of glory. Our hope of glory is not our righteousness. It's not our goodness. It's not what we do. It's not how well we sing. It's not how well we preach. It's Christ in us. That's the only hope we have of any kind of glory. 
Christ in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, Paul says, Now, right now, not someday, but right at this very present moment, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now, I wanted to read those. There are, there are others. There's, there's a whole slew of other scriptures I could, could have read this morning, but I just chose these few. Those of you, I want to tell you, those of you that are here today who have obeyed the gospel, I want you to understand something. Oh, God, help me to say it. Because I'm telling you, this, this will revolutionize your thinking. It's changed me. It's done something to me. I want to tell you, your heart has been changed. <laughs> there was a time when we were like Jeremiah 17 and 9. We used to have a wicked heart. We used to have a heart that was deceitful and unknown to us. But I'm telling you, that's not who we are now. When we came to Jesus Christ, when we were baptized in his name, when we received his spirit, something happened to that spiritual heart. Our hearts were changed. And now, according to the Apostle Paul, the love of God dwells in our hearts. Now that old heart of stone has been taken away and you have been given a new heart and a new spirit. Now you are no longer a child of wrath, but you are now a child of God and Jesus Christ lives in you and you are the body of Christ. For so many years I have said, use that scripture in Jeremiah, that the heart is deceitful. I want to tell you, your heart's not deceitful. Your heart's not wicked. Your heart is pure. Your heart is clean because God has done something in your heart. You don't have to live under condemnation because you think your heart is wicked. You, are, you have been set free. You have been delivered by the You have been regenerated. You have been transformed. Oh, hallelujah. Something happened to your heart. Paul says you're the body of Christ. I want that to sink in. You are the body of Christ. You know what that means? That means that the potential is in every one of you to turn the world upside down. 
you have the potential to affect the world around you in a positive and productive way because the love of God dwells in your heart. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness, long-suffering and faith, all of these characteristics dwell in your heart. Listen to me very closely right here. I'm afraid that in an attempt to be what we think is humble in trying to keep ourselves from thinking too highly of ourselves, we have made some serious mistakes. Oh, the Holy Ghost has talked to me about it. Some serious mistakes. I hear it said over and over again, and I've said it myself, there's nothing good in me. Or we say things like, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. No, you are not. No, sir. You're not a sinner. You used to be one, but you're not one anymore. You used to be sin. You used to obey it in the lust of its, uh, when it would come upon you and whatever sin wanted you to do, that's what you did. Uh, you used to be a servant of unrighteousness, but that's not who you are now. Let me tell you who you are now. Now you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Now you have yielded yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved you even when you were dead in sins hath quickened you together with Christ. By grace are you saved and hath raised you up together and made you sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah! Now you're a child of God. Now you are the redeemed. Now you are the church of the living God. We are not some... Uh, we are not some disenfranchised group of people wandering around in these last days wringing our hands and saying, what in the world are we going to do? Looking at the world around us, listening to what the government says. We're not wringing our hands and wondering what to do. I'm telling you, you are the church of the living God. We are the church. We have been purchased with his own blood. Now you are a royal priesthood. Now you are a holy nation. Now you are a peculiar people. Don't you let anybody convince you that you're no good, that you're some wretch ready to sin at any moment. 
incapable of any kind of goodness or greatness. I'm saying no, 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 a thousand times no. You are the body of Christ in the earth. Listen to me. You are the body of Christ. You know what that means? That means that wherever you go, Jesus goes. Whatever you touch, Jesus touches. Whatever you speak, Jesus speaks. When you walk into Walmart, Jesus is in Walmart. Anything can happen where Jesus is. Any, anything can happen. You, you don't know what can happen. Our, our minds cannot conceive it. Paul talked about that uh, mind, the, uh, neither hath ear heard. Uh, it haven't even entered into the mind. The things that God has prepared, and we confine that to heaven. He's not talking about heaven. You need to read that scripture. He's talking about the things that God has prepared for his people right now. You can't even imagine what God can do through you. If you would understand, when you walk into Walmart, Jesus is walking into Walmart. Jesus walked into a situation where a bunch of people were laying around sick. He walked around for a little while. I really think he was waiting for somebody to notice him, somebody to recognize him. Nobody recognized him. So finally, he picked out a fella. He said, sir, would you like to be healed? That same Jesus is in you. That same power resides in you. Oh, yeah, you're looking at me like I'm crazy, but I'm telling you, that's what the, body, the Bible says. You are the body of Christ in the earth, members in particular, but we are his body. What he wants to do in the earth, he's going to do it through you, through the church. If we can understand that, if we can get a hold of that. Oh, we, we are so intimidated by what, what's been preached to us and tell us that our hearts are wicked and we, we're, we're afraid to do anything because we're afraid that something in our heart might come out that we didn't want to come out. But I'm telling you, you need to understand that's not who you are now. That's what, because God has done something for you. Our hearts have been changed. You have the potential to bring peace to troubled situations because the Prince of Peace dwells in you. You have the potential to speak life to circumstances that seem to be dead and hopeless because the giver of all life dwells in you. Our hearts have been changed. This false sense of humility I think it comes from a misunderstanding of something that Paul said in Romans chapter 7 verse number 18 listen to what he says for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing and people have read that and they've misinterpreted what it says I want you to notice the, distinct, the distinction that Paul makes here. He does not say, there is nothing good in me, period. 
he makes sure that we understand he's talking about his flesh. He says, I know that in me, and, and when I say in me, folks, I'm talking about my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. And that's something every one of us can say right now along with Paul. In our flesh dwelleth no good thing. But we get caught up with that. But in the very next chapter, Paul makes an important statement that I think we miss sometimes. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Yes, you're absolutely right. In your flesh, in my flesh, in anybody's flesh, there is no good thing. But don't forget, you're not in the flesh because the Spirit of God now dwells in you. There is all kind of potential within you because God did for you exactly what he said he would do. He changed your heart. That's what transformation, that's what salvation's all about. We forget that. I don't know why we got started preaching this and teaching this thing that our hearts are deceitful and wicked. I, I don't know how we got into that. Amen. The, the Bible tells us that's exactly what salvation's all about. We tell people all the time, God will change your heart. And then we go back and want to tell them your heart's deceitful. It's wicked. No, 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 no. Man, you're talking about being under conviction. The Lord has put me under conviction. That's what transformation is all about. That's what regeneration is all about. That's what being a new creature is all about. God doesn't change your flesh when you get saved. God doesn't change, make you a new person physically. I kind of wish he would. I know some changes I'd like to suggest that he make. You know, this drope nose, God do something about that. These ears, this, this extra weight that I've got here, man, I could, I could give God some pointers, but he don't do that. He doesn't change us physically. He changes the essence of who we are, that part of us that makes us do what we do and say what we say and act the way we act. He changes our hearts. When I started this series last Sunday, I made a mistake. The Lord's talked to me about it. Last Sunday, I said, I was going to preach about something I knew absolutely nothing about. I said that I don't know what's in your heart. Well, today, I want to correct that mistake. I do know what's in your heart. You don't know it sometimes. We act like it's not that way, but it's the truth anyway. Jesus Christ is in your heart. If you have the Holy Ghost in your life, the Spirit of Christ is in you. The love of God has been put into your heart. The fruit of the Spirit, they're all in your heart. 
we forget it. But it's there. Now, here's the problem. The problem with all of this. Yes, we have been redeemed back to God. Yes, we have been purchased with the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, we are the body of Christ in the earth and members in particular. Absolutely, it's all absolutely true. But while all of that is true, it is also true that we're still in this world. We still feel the pull and the tug of this world. It's also true that we're still in these fleshly bodies. And it's true that we have an adversary. So if we're still in this world and we are still wrestling with fleshly bodies, if we still have an adversary, then it is also true this morning that we are in the middle of a war. There's a whole lot of fighting going on. Every day, every day we live, we have to fight for our spiritual lives. We have to war against the adversary of our souls. The Bible says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And because of that, we wrestle not, Paul says, with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, love not the world. That means that there is the potential there for us to fall in love with this world. We have to fight against that. For neither the things that are in the world, for if a man love this world, the love of the Father is not in him. And the Bible also says in Galatians 5, 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other. So, I want to tell you this morning, we fight against the world. We fight against the devil, and we fight against our own flesh. And the target of every one of these adversaries that we have and we face on a daily basis is our heart. Trying to get to our hearts. Last Sunday, we talked about guarding your hearts. Amen. We have to protect the heart that God has put within us when he filled us with his spirit. That new heart that we now have through regeneration and transformation, that has become the target of every attack we face. Whether it's from the pull of the world around us, the temptations of the adversary against us, or the lust of the flesh within us. We have to choose on a daily basis to live from this new heart and resist the attacks against it every day. Now, I'm closing this morning if our musicians would come. And I want to share with you something, again, the Lord has talked to me about something that I came to understand in the last few years of my ministry. And to, to set the stage for what I'm going to say tonight, today, I want to read from you, to you from the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, verse number 25. And he shall speak great words 
against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hands until a time and times in the dividing of time. Now, what I want to tell you, what I understand is most Bible scholars believe that this portion of Scripture is talking about the reign of the Antichrist. And what the Bible says here is very interesting. What it says about this man is something I think we need to take note of. He, he says he will speak directly against God himself. Oh, my goodness. I'll get to that in a minute. And then he says he will wear out the saints of the Most High. Now, what I have seen and been able to recognize in the last few years of my ministry is something that Paul said in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. Paul says here in this verse of Scripture, for the mystery of iniquity. Everybody say mystery of iniquity. He says it doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now this, Paul talks about the mystery of iniquity here. And I believe that this is talking about the spirit of the Antichrist. The Bible tells us that the mystery of godliness defines the mystery of godliness for us. The mystery of godliness is simply God making himself to be a man. Well, the mystery of iniquity, Paul talks about the mystery of iniquity. I want to tell you what the mystery of iniquity is. It's just the opposite of that. The spirit of the Antichrist is whenever man tries to make himself God. And that's the world we're living in today. Right now. You're talking about talking against the Most High. Brother Gary read some of it this morning talking against God himself. Some of the things that I heard people say in the last week or so, talking about our vice president and others, to me it was, it was right on the verge. If it wasn't blasphemy, it was right on the verge of it. That's the world we're living in. But then Paul says something else about this mystery. He says it's already working. This mystery that of the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist. Paul says that it's already working in our world. And the other thing that Daniel said about this Antichrist was that he would wear out the saints of the Most High. That's what I have come to recognize in the last few years. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. But I feel the spirit of prophecy right now. I'm telling you that in these last days, what we're wrestling against is a spirit of weariness. The spirit of weariness. That spirit of the Antichrist is trying to wear us out. People are getting tired of of fighting. Now, 
they're not necessarily sinning. They're not going out and backsliding. They just are weary. And they don't want to fight anymore. They don't seem to want to wrestle with the angels of God until they bless them anymore. They don't seem to want to pray until God opens the prison doors and sets the captives free anymore. It seems like nobody's interested in climbing the mountain into the presence of God and allowing him to write his law on the fleshly tables of our hearts anymore. People are just weary. It's the spirit of the age. It's the spirit that we have to guard against every day of our lives. I think even Paul recognized that spirit in his day. And he wrote, picked up his pen, and he wrote under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the inspiration of the Spirit. And he wrote to the Galatians, and he said this, and let us not be weary in well-doing. Don't get weary. Don't get weary, saint of God. When you're trying your best, when you're doing everything you know to do and it seems like nothing is changing, don't get weary. Don't throw in the towel. Don't stop fighting. Don't stop praying and bombarding heaven. Somebody's got to fight. Somebody's got to pray. Paul says, for in due season, I don't know when it's going to happen. I've seen it happen. Saw it happen here, right over here, just this past year. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed. It didn't seem like anything was getting better. But one Sunday morning, during a baptismal service, he came. And he stood right there. And God, in that moment of time, filled him with the Holy Ghost. Now he sings. He sings up here every Sunday morning when he's here. He's up here singing. Joe, got a beautiful voice. Can't nobody sing the song that he sings about what is falling in love with Jesus. Nobody can sing it better than Joe can sing it. Don't get weary. Don't stop praying. In due season, I don't know. a message here one Sunday morning one of the first sermons I preached in this new building when what is it short, the name of it was when shortly comes Paul said God is going to bruise Satan under your feet shortly I don't know when it's going to happen 
But when shortly comes, we'll rejoice. We'll dance if we faint not. Just got to keep in there. Just got to be faithful. Stand with me this morning. spirit of iniquity if you haven't run into it yet well I'm going to tell you you have you may not have recognized but you've already run into it you've already felt it's clammy hands trying to squeeze the very strength and life of the spirit out of you You've wondered what it was, and you've thought, man, man, I just, I blew it. No, you haven't blown it. It's just the spirit of the of the end time. It's the spirit that we're wrestling against. It's trying to destroy, trying to make you weary. You know, Daniel, the one who talked about this, the Bible says that Daniel went on a fast. He he he. Uh, he prayed and he needed an answer from God <clears throat> and he prayed and it didn't happen how many, how many days was it 40, 40 days 40 days the answer didn't come over and over again Daniel was praying and fasting the answer didn't come finally the angel of the Lord appeared to Daniel and gave him the answer Daniel's question was why in the world did it take so long the reason is because there's an adversary out there. 21 days. That's what it was, 21 days. 21 days. And the angel said, I had to do battle with that spirit. Saints, he, he said, God heard you the first day you prayed, Daniel. The first time you opened your mouth, God heard you and he sent the answer. Some of you have been praying and you don't know it. You're on the verge of quitting because it hadn't happened yet. And God's got the answer already on the way. It's right out there. It's just around the corner. Just over the next hill. But you've got to keep on. You've got to be faithful. You've got an adversary and he's going to fight against you. He's going to do everything he can. But if you'll just be faithful. In due time, we shall reap if we faint not. Lift your hands with me this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to make an altar call this morning. I know it's late, but if there's anybody here and you have not obeyed the gospel, if you have not repented of your sins, if you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, if you haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you need to come to this altar right now. You need to get out from where you are.